This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and let's get started right now with the Jack Riccardi Show. Well, let's do that. Good afternoon, and I'll tell you what, this weather, can you believe it? It's going to change. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too happy, but I'm. But I mean, it. but I mean, even when it changes, it's going to change to what it would normally be at this time. I mean, calling that a cold front is, you know. Yeah, you I thought that was. This is going to change to what it's normally supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. I just like sending pictures to my friends up north wearing a t-shirt right now. It is great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I, I never knew how petty I was with family <laughs> and friends till I moved down here from the Northeast, and I, I discovered I. There's no bottom to my cruelty. Uh, when they're having a snowstorm, they never hear from me more. Yeah. They never hear from me more. <laughs> right. Than, than Jack, are you sunburned? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? You look, you look kind of. Anyway, welcome to our dreadful little show and, uh, get ready for something. Maybe to be offended, maybe to be entertained. Who knows? Uh, and you can join the show at 5555. Uh, people have been asking me today if I'm surprised that Lori Lightfoot won, uh, rather lost her reelection bid in, in Chicago. And I'm not surprised in the sense that there were polls indicating she was in big trouble, uh, for the last few weeks. She, if you don't know, they had a, a mayoral election in Chicago and there's going to be a runoff, but she did not make the runoff. She placed a distant third in a crowded field of uh, candidates. Uh, and that's pretty extraordinary when you think about it. You're an incumbent mayor. You've got a, a major political machine, uh, and uh, you get absolutely trounced. Uh, 83% of Chicagoans voted for somebody other than Lori Lightfoot. Needless to say, you don't need me to explain what happened. I mean, every single crime category is up in double or triple digits, um, and it, it's, it's been a complete uh, fiasco, not only the crime statistics, but that has a ripple effect on everything from businesses to schools to the ability of the city to lure um, events. Um, the Chicago Teachers Union and other unions that had been with Lightfoot before were endorsing her opponents because uh, she's. it's been a complete pathetic uh, failure. And... Um, she got very desperate toward the end. She was trying to get uh, people in, you know, in prison to vote, and she was accusing her opponents of being MAGA Republicans, which none of them are, by the way. But um, it 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 was also interesting to hear her say, not surprising, that she thinks the reason she lost was racism and sexism. Uh, I am a black woman. Let's not forget. She told the New Yorker over the weekend, folks don't support us in leadership roles, said the black woman mayor of Chicago. Yes, clearly, Ms. Lightfoot, clearly in Chicago, a black woman cannot catch a break. There's no way they will let a a black woman become the mayor of Chicago. There's no way. A black person can attain a, a level of prominence in the city of Chicago. Why we've we've never seen it before. Uh, you're absolutely right. It could never happen. 
And I'm just trying to understand, in a city with, I've seen a couple of different statistics, but the African-American population in Chicago is at least 50%. It may be more. It just depends on what who you read. I'm just trying to understand how she managed to not even get the support of black voters and women voters. Are they in on it too? Are they in on the conspiracy to make sure that a woman or a black person cannot be the mayor of Chicago? It's, it's impossible. Why, Lori Lightfoot will never get within a hundred miles of the mayor's office of Chicago. She'll never be the mayor. Because you can't do it. I, I really do think that in every one of these failing, flailing cities, when you get frustrated, when you say, why do they keep, you know, repeating, rinsing and repeating? It's because they just haven't had enough yet. And, and maybe in Chicago, maybe that's one place where people have had enough. And, you know, I, I, I know very little about the, the two top finishers. Uh, uh, there's, there's two guys that are going to run in a runoff next month. I don't know very much about them because I haven't researched it because I don't live there. But, I mean, if they're just handing it off to somebody else, let's see what he can do. Let's see what they come up with. That's at least a start, right? I, again, not knowing anything about anything. But you got to have enough of it first. San Francisco hasn't had enough of it. New York hasn't had enough of it. I guess it just... Every, everybody's got their limit, and in Chicago, people met their limit. We talked yesterday about the um, Supreme Court hearing the case of uh, whether or not President Joe Biden has the authority under the law to cancel student loan debt. The reason this is in front of the Supreme Court is because it's an indisputable fact that... Um, there's more than one way to interpret the law the Biden administration is relying on, something called the HEROES Act. It's, it's, it's beyond question that you can read that law as either in an emergency, the president can impose these extreme circumstances or not. But that wasn't good enough for Congressman Jamal Bowman who posted a video of himself in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, this, this was last night. I want, you to, I want you to hear him at the top of his lungs explaining the responsibility the Supreme Court has in this case. Cut number three. The president has the authority to cancel student debt. Period. We are demanding that the Supreme Court just follow the law and do what's right. Hold on, stop the tape, stop the tape, stop the tape. Now, the Supreme Court should follow the law. Nope. The Supreme Court is determining the intent of the law. There's no clear law, there's no clear power for Joe Biden to do this. You know who knows that? Joe Biden knows that. Because that's what he said not too long ago when he was running for president. You don't have the authority in the presidency to do this. It would take an act of Congress to do this. He changed his mind because people told him to do it. And because it's politically expedient to do it. 
Jamal Bowman is whistling past the graveyard. He's expressing a certitude that neither he nor anyone on the, the step, steps of the Supreme Court really feels. All right, continue. Just follow the law and do what's right. That's why you are there, to follow the law. As we know, we all have tremendous amounts of student debt because of the predatory practices of our capitalist economy. Yeah. All right, stop the tape. Now, now he's going to make the argument that the reason student loan debt needs to be forgiven is because of capitalism. And I will say that I do think student loans are predatory. I think we have a scheme in this country where we market to families the notion that you can't go wrong. This is a sure bet. Go all in. Borrow all the money. Because it will make your kid rich when he gets out of college or she gets out of college. I, I said yesterday, the real problem we have is not forgiving the debt. The real problem we have is not looking into how the debt gets run up and why uh, college uh, tuition is so insanely, unjustifiably high. But now listen to him go down this trail. Listen to this. They preyed upon us beginning in high school. We want you to go to college. You have the ability to go to college. And many of us were the first in our families to go to college, like me. So I registered, I got myself in, then all of a sudden I realized I couldn't afford it. Hold on, hold on. Boy, if that isn't a Democrat right there. <laughs> I bought something and then I realized I couldn't afford it. That's, that should be their motto. They should make T-shirts. So he's saying, in essence, look at me. I'm the first in my family to go to college. And that is a point of pride for a lot of us. But I was tricked. They stole from me. They preyed on me. It's all victimhood, all up and down. Everything is victimhood. Continue. And colleges know this is going to happen. Mm. And so they present you with these opportunities to receive student loans. Mm -hmm. And... When you're in college and you're 18 mm -hmm. and you didn't take many finance courses or mm. economic courses and you don't really mm. know how mm. our economic structure works. Hold it on. Feels Hold on. I'm sorry. Our economic structure? What, when you're 18 you don't know that you can only buy stuff you have the money for? You don't know that? You need an economics course for that? We're not teaching that? And, and I love the fact that um, he's saying, in essence, they knew, they know when they're seducing young people into the, the path of higher education, they know they can't afford it. Well, Congressman Bowman, if that's what you believe, you don't belong on the steps of the Supreme Court. You belong in a congressional committee holding hearings. Call witnesses. I want the presidents of the Ivy League schools. I want the presidents of the prestigious high-dollar private universities across the country. Call them. Let's find out what this, and I'm not being facetious, because college is too damn expensive. There's no way it should cost what it costs to get a four-year degree. I'll say it. But your problem then is with 
the price. Not, I mean, the worst thing you could do if you think the, the colleges are predatory and the system is predatory, the absolute worst thing you could do is say, well, we'll just forgive all the debt. You're letting them get away with what you are defining as a kind of crime. All right, continue. It feels like free money to you. So you sign on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you sign the next semester, the next semester, the next mm-hmm. semester. Mm-hmm. And my mother, who only had a high school education, oh. would co-sign because she mm-hmm. was told her entire life that her kids need to go to college. Mm-hmm. And so now, 24 years after graduating college, I am a sitting member of Congress and have barely made a dent in All my right. student loans. You get the point. Maybe he should get a real job. I don't know. Just a thought. But but seriously, I mean, I can get the part. You you got me. I'm with you. When you say there's something wrong with what we're telling families, there's something wrong with these prices, you got me on that. But if you're going to tell me that people don't know that you shouldn't buy something you can't afford or nobody had any idea what they were getting into. And if you're going to tell me the solution to predatory practices is to forgive the debt, well, that would be like forgiving all crime then, right? Like, we shouldn't punish people who steal. The government should just buy you a new one of whatever was stolen. That's what he's saying. Let's not bother with theft or crime we should just get you a new whatever was stolen. And, of course, yelling at the Supreme Court, follow the law. He never names the law. What's the law? The Supreme Court follows the Constitution. Legislators pass laws. The Supreme Court rates or assesses whether the actions of either the legislative or executive branch are constitutional. There is no law that specifically says you don't have to pay back your student debt. If there was, President Biden wouldn't have had, wouldn't have had to announce forgiveness of student debt. As usual, when members of Congress yell about someone else doing their job, it's because they're not doing their job. The louder they yell, the more egregious it is, and they hope you won't notice, but in this case, it's impossible not to notice. There is no law which requires the government to pay off or wipe out debt incurred by people who agreed to pay it off. And as I said yesterday, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would love to get this and don't really care if it's constitutional or not, and I I get you. But just mark my words, whenever they're pointing the finger at somebody else, it's so you won't notice what they have done or have not done. Doesn't it stand to reason that if if the President of the United States could wipe out student loan debt, had the power to do that, that was just that was just sitting around waiting to be used, it would already have been done. It would have been done before Joe Biden. There isn't a president we've elected in your lifetime that wouldn't love to do that, take credit for that, take the victory lap for that. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm telling you, that all by itself should be the end of the conversation. It's not like Joe Biden suddenly thought of something. I mean, (laughs) let me rephrase that. 
It's not like whoever does the thinking for Joe Biden suddenly thought of something that no one else had ever thought of before the, the, the no previous administration. What? Cancel student loan debt? Why? Why didn't we think of that? 210-599-5555. We're asking you, and we're going to talk about that. We're asking you on the JR poll today about the Yankee tax. If you haven't heard about this, there's a bill in the legislature of South Carolina, which is one of the states to which a lot of people have been moving from the north. And they feel like uh, the more northerners move in, you know, flee the blue states to get to South Carolina, the more wear and tear it is on the roads and the infrastructure, and it's a, it's a strain. So uh, they're proposing a Yankee tax. They would double the fee for registering your vehicle when you move in from one of those blue states. And that might just be the beginning. If they can do that, maybe there's some other taxes we can slap on these newcomers. We have to. They say it's not punitive. We just we have to pay for the roads. We have to pay for the, the all the extra driving and wear and tear you you Yankees are doing. What do you think of that idea? What do you think of a Yankee tax? In other words, you you're a red state. You've got blue staters moving in. Make a little money off them. They got it. They're good for it. What do you think about that? Today's JR poll two ten five nine nine. 55-55. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the college thing. We're talking about Lori Lightfoot and, and her defeat in the mayoral race. And, and John O'Caldwell is going to join us. Now, I know that you've probably seen him on Fox News Channel as a political analyst. He has a podcast that's very popular. Um, but the reason we wanted to talk to him today about this is because Lori Lightfoot's reign of error in Chicago was deadly for John's family. And, and, and this is the, this is the TV news story uh, from the time that it happened uh, a couple of months ago. Take a listen to this, cut number 10. Tonight, that 18-year-old will be honored at a private vigil here in Morgan Park, just blocks away from where he lost his life. His family telling us that the day the baby brother died was the worst day of their existence. I... I'm completely heartbroken. My family, their their hearts have been shattered. Shattered, yet trying to pick up any pieces of their broken hearts over the loss of their loved one taken too soon. Horrific. And I'm going to tell you, I would rather not be sitting here doing this interview with you. I really would rather be with my family, consoling them. But there is four men, black offenders who jumped out of an SUV with dreads, who need to be captured and prosecuted. Gianna Caldwell, a Fox News political analyst, speaking out about the life. My baby, I just, every time I, I try to keep it together, I'm sorry. He was a comedian, kind of like his big brother, me. He was fun to be around, just a loving kid, loved to travel. And tragic death of his little brother, 18-year-old Christian, who Caldwell said he helped to raise. He called me, I was kind of like his father, he never knew his father, so... When it came to his needs, financial, clothes, whatever, I was the one who would provide that in addition to my grandmother. So you were tight. That's my baby brother. Yeah, my baby brother. He just turned 18 this year. When we saw the news from Chicago, um, we thought of our next guest because the, the, the reign of Lori Lightfoot had the deepest, most personal uh, price for John O'Caldwell, who is a uh, Fox News analyst and a podcaster and has been with us before and rejoins us 
on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line, uh, lost his 18-year-old baby brother to one of the many record-setting many murders in Lori Lightfoot's Chicago. He joins us now in KTSA. And, Jono, again, our sympathies, our prayers and condolences to you and your family. Um, what what goes through your mind uh, seeing the results out of Chicago and, and hearing Lori Lightfoot say uh, this wasn't based on her failure to perform. This was based on her being a black woman. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me. And what goes through my mind immediately is thank God. The reign of Lori Lightfoot has been a terror to many families within the city of Chicago. And now that has come to an end. So I'm very, very grateful and thankful to other folks within the city of Chicago, because for the first time in 20 years, crime has taken the center stage within the city of Chicago. So I'm thankful for that. Now, when Lori Lightfoot says, oh, yeah, it's because of my race, it's because of my gender, that's a lie. First and foremost, she got in office because of identity politics. We know that for a fact. She was black. She was the first openly gay lesbian to ever serve as mayor. She's, I think, married to a woman right now. So she got in, people checked the boxes, and they did what they did. But what they learned is you can be all of those things and have policies that create a recipe for disaster and put your family's lives at risk. And that is exactly what happened. We're talking about since she's became mayor, crime up 40%. I mean, that, it, who, where, what is, where is that supposed to be a good thing? I don't, I don't mm. even understand why she decided to run for reelection. Mm. You did a disastrous job. You failed. And you continue to prove when you make these statements, oh, yeah, you know, it's because I'm black. Or if you either vote for me or don't vote, and she was specifically talking to the south and west side of Chicago, which has the largest concentration of black people, I mean, it became clear black lives don't matter to Lori Lightfoot. Black votes matter to Lori Lightfoot. And that is exactly why she lost. Mm -hmm. So now, thankfully, and hopefully, Chicago is done with identity politics and we're having the next round, which is the runoffs. And we have two individuals in that runoff, one by the name of Paul Vallis, who was the CEO of the Chicago Public Schools. He's endorsed by the Chicago Police Department. He talks about supporting the police and we need more and more police in Chicago. In fact, for the number of homicides that we have, we need a 1,000 new homicide detectives. For all the homicides we got in Chicago right now, we absolutely need that. We also need a mayor, as he's mentioned. I'll hold police accountable. Those that choose to be nefarious officers, they'll be held accountable, and we're going to mm-hmm. hold the, the criminals accountable. And for the victims, we're going to support them, and we're going to ensure that they get justice. Those are the things we need to hear. On the other side, you got a guy who said, yeah, we need to defund the police. He's literally legislation to defund the police. He's a Cook County commissioner. That's what he's done. He's also made excuses for those during the George Floyd era who looted and rioted a number of stores in Chicago. Mind you, stores that have not come back that are downtown Chicago. So I think the, the, the message is clear. I'm a conservative 100%. These are two Democrats. But at this time, it's not about political ideology. It's about common sense. One guy says mm-hmm. he wants to support the police, he wants to support vi- victims and hold criminals accountable. The other guy who wants to let criminals run free. So I'm pretty much on the side of Paul Vallis at this yep. time, even though yep. he does not share my political party. we got to do what's best for Chicago at this time. 
There was a time when it didn't matter whether you were a Democrat or a Republican. If you ran for the mayor of a city, your job was to make that city work, and we've gotten away from that. That's absolutely right, and that actually is the tagline for Chicago, the city that works, but it stopped working under Lori Lightfoot. Of course, Rahm Emanuel, he wasn't the greatest mayor, but I'll, I mean, who would have thought we would have got someone worse? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't think that that was going to be the case, but that certainly was the case. So, yeah, you, it should be the case that the city works. It should be safety is the number one priority for those in which control the city, who's the leader of the city. But that's not been the case. And now here we are talking about, and this is one of the things that Lori Lightfoot said about Paul Dallas and a number of other folks who ran in that race. They said that he was a Republican. Why? Because he said he wanted to support the police. Like common sense stuff. This is just common sense. Right. Support right. your police, your law enforcement, your men and women in uniform who put their lives on the line on a daily basis. Hold those account- accountable who choose right. to be nefarious actors and make sure victims are taken care of and criminals are behind bars. Like that was the basic <laughs> that was a basic human right for people in cities. And then the left progressive, they change the dynamic and we see what happens when they get in power. It's a recipe recipe for disaster and lives are lost well let's let's hope that when they write the history of these times they say you know the return to sanity the return to just common sense uh governance of cities started with the chicago election in 2023 we can hope and john o'caldwell um appreciate you being willing to come on and and certainly appreciate you sharing what you and your family have been through and it really puts a, a human face on what often sounds like just a lot of statistics so thank you for that no, no, and it, it's my it's my pleasure, and this has become very personal to me since my baby brother Christian was murdered June 24th in Chicago last year. So I'm continuing to fight. I'm gonna be out yeah. there loud, loudly, and I encourage folks that are listening to follow me on social media at Giano Caldwell on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at G I A N N O Caldwell C A L D W E L L. Thank you so much for having me. I do, and we will. Thank you, Jono. 210-599-5555. So we've got Chicago and the election, and Jono Caldwell, who's always great. Um, we've got the uh, Jamal Bowman, uh, Randy Weingarten pity party going on on the steps of the Supreme Court. Um, we've got the we got the Yankee tax. How do you like the Yankee tax? You know, I, I there was an idea a while back uh, from uh, Glenn Reynolds, the blogger that I talk about a lot, and he blogs at instapundit.com he's a law professor he's a smart guy interesting guy we used to have him on once in a while uh glenn reynolds came up years ago when it was clear that there were there was this you know red state blue state thing and people were starting to flee out of california and new york and and so forth he came up with this welcome wagon idea where he said the most important thing red states need to do is help the new arrivals from the blue states understand what they fled and not import it or repeat it in their new home state. And in other words, not in an insulting or confrontational way, but you want to help people that are coming to Texas from California not turn Texas into California. Because otherwise, what was the point of coming? And I think we need that on a serious, organized basis.
I don't think, and I hope they're, I hope this is tongue in cheek or meant to be somehow symbolic or maybe just some politician trying to get headlines. This Yankee tax idea is a, is a Looney Tunes idea. I mean, there's just, a, it's a completely whack idea. I, th- if, if, if their concern is what I just elucidated, okay, that's a concern. It's a concern in a lot of red states. Th- this would not be the way to do it. I want to ask you about something, but first of all, I want everybody to know, and I know you're excited about it, I'm excited about it, congratulations to our friend and colleague, Don Morgan, wins a statewide Associated Press Award for Best Radio Newscast in the recent uh, awards competition. That means up against all the other radio stations all across the state, Dallas, Houston, everywhere, and very well deserved for Don Morgan. I'm dousing him with Gatorade tomorrow morning, but he doesn't know mm. it. So I'd like to see that. Yeah, come up behind him with the cooler. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's a good. It's a good move. Yeah. Uh, and also our uh, our friends down the hall at San Antonio Sports Star uh, with best radio sports talk show. And again, that's a hugely competitive thing. Mm-hmm. There's nine million <laughs> sports radio stations. Oh yeah, in Texas, it's like everybody's doing it. And to be the best in a state this big, that is. That's incredible. So yes, it is. Congratulations to all involved on in that. So I, I've been hearing the news today about the, uh, and I guess the Democrats are having an, uh, a summit, right, where they're talking about issues. And one of the things is COVID accountability, China. That we, we had the story the other day that the Department of Energy, I guess it is, uh, has preliminarily found that, yes, the virus came out of the Wuhan uh, lab. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 if I understand the position of the Biden administration, it's, well, that's one version, but we've got other agencies and we're not sure yet and there's not a consensus. So it's like a working theory, right? Yeah. Everything I've read is, and how long have we been debating this? I mean, we're into year three, technically, 2023. Uh, it, it came from Wuhan, but no, it did not come yeah. from Wuhan. And wait, yes, yeah. it did. No, it didn't. We did the same thing with masks, same thing with vaccines. There well, we didn't no have a position. debate, actually. We actually, what we actually did was we shouted down the people that tried to have the debate. I mean, I would, I would, mm-hmm. I would argue it would have been healthier if we'd been debating it for three years, but, right. but, but here's where I'm going with this. And I wanted to get your take on it because I know you take an interest in, in this story and, and in China. I, I don't think, I think this is destined to be, the origins of COVID are destined to be the JFK assassination of this generation. Oh. Meaning that we're just not, there's not going to be a smoking gun because it's China. And there's not going to be a political accounting because if you were to say it is the position of the U.S. government that China unleashed this thing accidentally or carelessly, then there would be pressure to do something. Right. About that. And we're never going to do that. Well, I go back to the very beginning, and not that this was obvious, but at the time that the first time I heard coronavirus and COVID-19, I had about two weeks left at a you know heritage station up in Des Moines, Iowa. That's December of 2020 or uh, 2019. Right. Now, that was days Jack, it was days after phase one of that that trade agreement that mm-hmm. Trump had China sign. Mm-hmm. Phase mm-hmm. one, they were never going to get to phase two, and I've never made it past that starting point. Everything mm-hmm. after that, it was okay. I, we we I, I can see the politicization of this whole thing, but the timing is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a shocking coincidence, is it not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, just just the fact that. 
you have this, uh, you know, um, extraordinary facility mm-hmm. that is internationally known in a city where a virus breaks out. Yep. But you want to say that's a th- that would be like, oh, there's uh, radiation and we have a nuclear plant, but that's just a coincidence. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 I, and so we're, I guess my, my pessimism here or my doom and gloomism or whatever you want to call it is the, the real obstacle with coming clean is that they, they can't and won't hold them accountable or, or, or make them, uh, make reparations or restitution. Ergo, it's better to just leave it as a, well, we'll never know. Well, Jack, you know as well as I do, and you've probably heard this expression from decades and decades ago, maybe centuries, power doesn't investigate itself. It mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't have any incentive to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. They might, it might appear to investigate itself, but not really. Right. There's no reason to do that. So will we ever really know? Probably not. But what we can do is follow the bouncing ball. Yeah. That we can yeah. do. Well, and that's what we'll, I mean, that, that's, that's where I draw the Kennedy, uh, comparison exactly. because yes. there's, there's obviously countless people ranging from very serious and sober to complete wingnuts. Uh, but there's, there's countless people that are saying, I'm not letting this rest. I'm going to keep turning rocks mm-hmm. over and see what turns up. And, and that will happen here. And it'll be the rest of our lives and our kids' lives. But one thing that won't happen is the federal government won't say, we know this is it. This is where it started, and China's responsible. They, they are sadly they're in a position where they cannot do that. I agree. So, those two guys on the radio sound very pessimistic. I don't know about them. All right, say hey, we're um, we're, I'm gonna we're gonna talk to a young woman with an incredible story to tell here in a few minutes, um, about everything that's happened to her. Because of her name, I'm not making this up. This is a true story. It happened here in San Antonio. Because of her name, uh, she's had quite the ride, and she'll tell us uh, her story. Uh, you can join the show at 210-599-5555. Um, President Biden yesterday was speaking about health care policy at an event in Virginia, and he told a story he's told before, but this th- you need to hear this. If you've not heard him tell this before, um, about a nurse named Pearl, cut number nine. Listen to this. Pearl Nelson, military. She'd come in and do things that I don't think you learn in medical school, nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand him. She'd whisper, she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I was, there was a connection, a human connection. She even went home and brought back her pillow. Okay, I just did we just lose that done? Was that the whole clip? Okay. Um I thought there was more to it. Um yeah, she he he's saying that when he was at Walter Reed, this is when he had his brain aneurysm in the nineteen eighties, that, that he had a nurse come in and, and breathe on him and blow air from her mouth into her nostrils. In into his nostrils. Do we have any nurses out there? Is this a is this a thing that I don't know about? I mean, I have nurses in my family. I have nurses, friends who are nurses. I, I've never heard of this. I have never heard of this. And um, I, you know, it's it it's it seems like a minor thing. Here he goes again. But day after day after day of inexplicable mutterings and and what seemed to be completely fabricated stories 
just um you know that 25th amendment is is sitting there everybody was very interested in it a few years ago we need to do this right now how how do you go from being very serious about the mental um status or stability of the previous president to being completely uninterested in this one right Anyway, and then um, I want to play this for you, too. So I've told you before that once we get rolling in the 2024 election, Donald Trump will be, to the leftist media, a, a more palatable alternative. They will favor him over whoever is apparently going to be the Republican nominee. So it's already happening. They're already saying that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is not worse than Hitler, worse than Trump. Here's MSNBC's Joy Reid, cut number five. The story about a cartoon creator becoming the voice of the great white male freakout doesn't end at Dilbert or even at Elon Musk. It ends, or rather begins, with white grievance politics potentially becoming U.S. federal policy. If Florida Governor Ron DeSantis becomes President of the United States, which he is clearly aiming for, America will become the land of total government control over women's bodies, black history, gender identity, how you can teach, learn, read, think, even talk. It would essentially be a more functionally authoritarian version of Trump, a more action, less personality type of president who's basically offering two options, pre-civil rights America or total control of society. So basically what she's saying is, folks, we better just put Trump back in there so that we don't get this guy DeSantis. I hope you're paying attention because when they when they do this, they're pointing out who they are really most afraid of. They're, they're saying you should be afraid, but they're telling us who they are really most afraid of. So Trump wasn't so bad. It's this DeSantis guy that we're worried about is the new line from people like Joy Reid. We're going to talk to a young woman who recently was invited to speak at Trinity University here in San Antonio. Sharice Trump is executive director of a group called Speech First, which uh, engages on the issue of First Amendment violations on college campuses, also hosts a podcast uh, about uh, free speech called Well Said. Uh, joins us now on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. So Sharice Trump, we got to get it out of the way here first. No relation. <laughs> Right. right? No relation no to Donald relation. Trump. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And see how easy it was to just ask? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I I, I found that uh, very easy. It was, it was like falling off a log. Um, so tell me what happened. <laughs> you were invited by Young Conservatives of Texas chapter at, at Trinity, and, and, and what happened? Yeah, so they invited me, and then the administrators basically asked them to for me to provide insurance. They they went through the organization of YPT to get insurance from me. And I asked them, I said, look, I've never had to submit insurance before for any, you know, I've been speaking on campuses for two years now. I've never had to submit any kind of insurance. And so I had, so the students pushed back and the administrator actually emailed them that they were concerned that there would be um, any kind of student, you know, student activity due to the fact that my last name is Trump and people might mistake in that as me being related to Donald Trump. And my reaction was like, wow, they really don't think their their students are capable of using the Internet uh, because there's actually it's pretty easy to figure it out, you know, when you look it up. But it's a it's, it's surprising because, one, not only are you asking yourself, wait a second, does, does Trinity University really have that little faith in their students? 
Um, but you're also asking yourself, even if I was related to Trump, isn't this viewpoint discrimination? Isn't this like them for putting an extra barrier in front of me getting on, onto the campus to speak about mm-hmm. something that's ironically free speech? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it just go. I mean, I guess it points up the importance of the work that you do because, uh, in answer to your questions, I don't think college campuses right now are places uh, of truth seeking or uh, mind broadening, and they're certainly not places of ideological or viewpoint diversity. That's the only kind of diversity they're not interested in. Yeah, absolutely, and they should be encouraging students. They should be empowering students to be open minded to various viewpoints to different perspectives, things that they might find challenging. And when this, when the university tries to put extra barriers, what they're doing actually is that they're encouraging the type of behavior that students know that they won't get disciplined for, which is rioting and protesting and shutting down speakers and not letting people express themselves. So that's something that is really concerning about this whole situation because mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. really sure what the university's faith level actually is in their own students. Right. No, I, I thought that too, in addition to just the sort of cornball confusion over the name i was thinking what a state we've come to that we are presuming there will be unrest and violence because you're coming to the campus where we don't even have enough pride to say not in our house we won't let it happen here there's no no impetus toward that at all exactly yeah and uh that's that's part of the other the other concern is are the, is the university actually training and teaching students about the First Amendment and the value of free speech in this country? Are those core values actually being expressed? Because if the university, again, had faith in their students' abilities to understand these basic concepts in this country, then it wouldn't be an issue. And I always ask the question, too, what if my last name was Biden or Clinton? Uh, would yeah. I be getting requests for, for liability insurance? So what happened? Were you able to go, or what's, gonna, what's, the, what's the outcome of this? Yeah, so I went ahead and purchased the extra liability insurance, and I didn't make the student group purchase it, though they volunteered. That was very kind of them. Um, so I went ahead and purchased it myself. Um, it wasn't that much. It was like $76. But, what, what's, again, it comes down to the principle. But, you know, I'm, I'm, my goal is to go onto campus and to teach the students about their legal rights on campuses as well as, you know, free speech on college campus and why it's important. I just find the whole thing very ironic and silly. And and this did not this has not come up and you're on a, as I understand it you're on a tour of of college campuses as yeah. part of your job and this has not come up anywhere but at Trinity University. Yeah, I'm visiting six campuses um, and Trinity is the only one that expressed any remotely any concern at all about my name. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's it is concerning. And you know, again, like I've spoken on campuses for two years now, and I've never had to provide any liability insurance. I've never had to. Um, even explain have students explain that I'm not related. That was actually just a question that never came up. So, which is surprising because you think that it would be more of an issue, but actually it wasn't. And I think because people probably just went online and figured it out for themselves, or they asked the students, and the students said mm. no, and it was that. <laughs> that was the end of things. Um, but Trinity felt like they needed to push back a lot more. Uh, and about the sort of the atmosphere. Uh on college campuses you know we see what's happening in states like florida and north carolina where's the beginning of some pushback about woke curricula do do you have optimism that we are reaching the peak or the nadir is probably the better way to say it of of this um sort of takeover the left sort of takeover of the academy yeah i mean one thing that i've 
been concerned about more and more as I visit campuses. Um, and this doesn't speak to the YCT chapters, the chapters of the organizations that invite me, but more to just the general student population. Um, because when I talk to like students, I go around campus, I interview them and ask them what their thoughts are on free speech. I get a lot of questions or answers that are actually really apathetic um, and they don't really seem to have kind of a passion or a drive to not only defend their free speech rights, but just more generally on various political issues. Um, so that allows universities to really kind of just manipulate students and create policies that the students don't push back on because it's, it, it, it's as if they think that, you know, the administrators are there and they have their best interests at heart. And that is kind of assumed. Um, so it opens the door for administrators to really kind of run the show if no one's pushing back. Um, and that's what I've seen more so. And I, I think it's, my hope is that it's going to get better eventually, but with the advent of the EI departments, it's actually getting substantially worse right now on campus. Hmm. And we got a ways to go yet. Well, uh, Sharice Trump, no relation. Uh, appreciate your coming on with us and telling this story, which is a, a fascinating story, kind of a window into what's going on, not only at Trinity, but uh, in general. And thank you for coming on today. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We've uh, so far covered the Chicago election results. Lori Lightfoot goes down to defeat. She will not be in the runoff for mayor of Chicago. The loan forgiveness screaming, scream fest. We've been talking about uh, the Yankee tax uh, idea that's on our JR poll. You know, a, a lot of what we hear in the news or talk about on this show is about people being offensive or taking offense. I'm offended. That's offensive. You know, offensive and offended are not interchangeable. And we've made them interchangeable. And there are people that are trying to keep them interchangeable. But they're not, they're, they're, they're two different concepts. And, and here's, here's how I'll explain it. If you tell me you're hungry, I, I would have no way of knowing if that was true, but I'll take your word for it. If you say I'm hungry, I'll believe that you're hungry. Uh, but I, I can't, I can't see any evidence of that. I can't prove it to myself. There's no, there's no objective truth to your hunger. It's just something you're saying you feel. That's what people are saying when they say they're offended. They're expressing something which may be true for them, but it isn't an objective truth. What offends you is not objectively or provably offensive. You may be offended at a joke, but not everyone is. You may be offended at a movie, but not everyone is. You may be offended at something you hear this guy say on the radio, but not everyone is. When people say they're offended, you should believe them. When people say, therefore, that thing or you or whatever is offensive, they're trying to make their feelings bigger and more important than they really are. They're trying to take how they feel and stretch it into a concept that is beyond question, right? I mean, it's offensive. People say that like it's a, it's a scientific fact. This show is offensive. This Joke is offense, and, and and of course it may be offensive to many people, but for each of those people, that is a subjective reaction. That's a personal reaction. Now, I saw a statistic today, and 
this is kind of what got me to thinking about this. It said that this was a study of university professors, a, a big survey, 1,400. And 40% of them say they're afraid of losing their job over offending someone. And to me, 40% sounds low. I think it's higher than that. I think there's more that are afraid, but only 40% were willing to admit they're afraid or could say they're afraid. I bet it's way higher than that. And it's not just college professors. People in all kinds of walks of life are having to watch everything they say. Because someone might be offended. And you know what? Someone might be. That's okay. Try not to fall out of your chair here, but people have always been offended. It's okay if people are offended. Offended will be with us forever. That doesn't mean something or someone is objectively offensive and must be canceled, fired, removed, silenced. And also, if you are offended, you don't have a right to someone else's job or livelihood or voice. It's not how it works. So like I said, if you tell me you're hungry, I believe you. I have no way of proving it, but I'll take your word for it. If you tell me you're offended, I'll believe you. But then you have to deal with that yourself. Just like if you're hungry, you got to go get something to eat. That's not my problem. And I think the way we get out of this is by gently but firmly confronting people who are trying to label something or someone as offensive and just say, look, if you're offended, that's one thing. You don't get to brand or label it for all of us. And we're letting people do that. Do you realize how much of what we bitch about We've, we've, we've allowed to happen. We've just given it away. People say, oh man, we've, the, the world's gone crazy. This is voluntary. We have to stop. And I think these two words, offensive and offended, might be a good place to start. Does that offend you? <laughs> 210-599-5555. Now there's a, Story that's been percolating in the news for several days involving Scott Adams, who um, I follow on Twitter, and uh, we've talked about Scott Adams before. He's, among other things, the cartoonist who created uh, Dilbert. And for many years, that was all he was known for, but he, he became more prolific as a writer and as an opinion commentator, and he did a podcast and a YouTube channel. He's got a bunch of other... Uh, outlets for his political viewpoints. Dilbert was always one of those comic strips that was kind of, um, I don't know if I would say it was always political, but it was certainly uh, observational or societal, right? It was it was a commentary on the workplace. It was a commentary on the culture. And it was it was very funny. It was very acerbic and witty. So the other day... Um, Scott Adams was on his YouTube channel uh, reacting to a Rasmussen poll that said 47% of black Americans whom they surveyed, so 47% of the black Americans in their survey, either disagree with or are not sure that it's, quote, okay to be white, 
In other words, only a little over half the respondents were black agreed that it's okay to be white. Scott Adams reacted to that by saying this, cut number six. So if, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the away. Wherever you have to go, just get away. Because there's no fixing this. This can't be fixed. Right? This can't be fixed. You just have to escape. So that's what I did. I went to a neighborhood where, you know, I have a very low black population. Because unfortunately, you know, there's a high correlation between the density. And this is according to Don Lemon, by the way. Um, so here I'm just quoting Don Lemon when, when he notes that the, when he lived in a uh, mostly black neighborhood, there were a bunch of problems that he didn't see in white neighborhoods. So even Don Lemon sees a big difference in your own quality of living based on where you live. Okay, so you get the idea. And and, and the Don Lemon that he's referring to is that commentary. I think we played it a while back, Don. Don Lemon about, I don't know, five, seven, eight years ago um, did a commentary on CNN that was very, um, I I thought, very candid um, about how the, 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 uh, the problems of black communities start in those communities and are not visited upon those communities by other races or external forces and i'm i'm generalizing it but and he he ran through some statistics and he talked about some things he had seen so anyway back to scott adams so scott adams takes as his jumping off point the rasmussen survey which has a pretty shocking number in it and your first warning flag might be that, you know, this is one poll. I'm not sure this is accurate of the whole population of the country. I'm not sure I would take from the Rasmussen numbers that half of black America is a hate group and wants nothing to do with white people and doesn't think it's okay for them to exist. But he did. And, and Adams has said that he intentionally went hyperbolic to make a point. He, in fact predicted what has now happened. He has been um, canceled. Newspapers across the country have dropped his Dilbert strip. His distributor or syndicator has dropped him. They've cut all ties to him. Dilbert strips uh, will only be available on his online subscription platform. It's been canceled everywhere else. His books have been canceled. And he says he's all right with that. He says he did it. Uh, He's willing to pay that price to start this conversation. And he, um, again, he says, I, I was being hyperbolic. I was um, trying to make the point that we should treat people as individuals. It's interesting how people only heard what he said he was going to do 
about the other race, and they they seemed uninterested in the the Rasmussen survey. I suppose that might be because when I read it, and maybe when a lot of people read it, I just thought, no, nope, that's not right. I don't think that's true. I'm not saying nobody feels that way. I don't think half of all black Americans feel that way. Um, so he may have picked the wrong jumping off point. Is what he said worthy of being taken down? Is what he said offensive to you? I'm not going to ask you if it's offensive because we just went through that. Are you offended by what he said? Or do you agree with what he said? My generation, I'm Generation X, you know, after the baby boomers, the next generation after the baby boomers. Um, my generation was uh, all about colorblindness and how beautiful it was to not see a person's color right off the bat or, or, or to um, judge that or uh, act on that. And we prided ourselves on how it, it didn't matter. Color didn't matter. So I think my generation is the most befuddled <laughs> um, at the fact that now color is everything. It's all that matters. Everything is broken down and boiled down to that. Because we're like, um, wasn't this working better before? It seemed like we were making big strides. All the firsts, all the breakthroughs, that happened on our watch. That happened with our approach. No one's happy now. No one's enjoying the color obsession of modern society. And so I think Scott Adams was not very smart to say what he said because it was it was doomed to be misunderstood. It was doomed to be taken as offense. And I don't know... I, I can think of a lot of better ways to say what he was trying to say or make the point I think he was trying to make. He should not be surprised that he's getting canceled. He should not be... And maybe he isn't. I don't know. I did notice that a lot of people reacting to him are reacting to bits and pieces of what he said, but not the whole thing. I did note that he is a humorist, and I think he is trying to be funny. Maybe not successfully. I don't agree with everything he says, but I I think we were better off when we were not making everything about color. And when I say we, I mean everybody was better off. We have given away the progress of the civil rights movement. We have given away the progress of raising little boys and girls to not see that, to not be inhibited by that. We have given away the confidence of young black children to dream and believe. And so even as they see ceilings being shattered and firsts happening all over the joint. We're stripping them of their confidence. We're, we're hammering into their heads. It's rigged. It's racist. It's systemic. You, you won't make it. Everyone's against you, which is a, which is a diabolically terrible thing to say to children. I mean, 
The worst thing you can do to children is is hurt them physically. The second worst thing you can do is hurt them spiritually. And that's what we're doing. So, if nothing else, and, and if you don't like Scott Adams, you just don't like the look of the guy, or you don't like what he said, isn't this a conversation about race? Aren't we supposed to be having a conversation about race? It's what I keep hearing. What do you think? You can join the show at 210-599-5555. You can also shoot me an email, jack at ktsa.com. So it started with a poll that somebody did uh, where they were asking black people, is it okay to be white? And can we just pause for a moment to reflect on the idiocy of that question? Like, who is asking that question? How is that a question? I mean, I realize we survey people about everything. We survey them about cars and clothes and dish soap and but I mean, how is that a constructive, useful, valuable metric? Who needed that data? Is it okay to be white? And apparently it's not to half the respondents. Which I don't believe. That doesn't sound right to me. I'm not saying no one feels that way. There are people that are racist. There are people that hate other races. There are people that hate their own race. We see that every day. Uh, but I don't think it's half. And I, 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 if somebody called me up, I'm white, obviously. If somebody called me up and said, hey, I want to ask you a poll question. Um, is it okay to be black? I'd hang up on them. That's a dumb question. I'm not answering that. It's ridiculous. Scott Adams, who's a smart guy and a thinker, sees that, and decides to do a commentary on it. And he has to know that anything he says, anything he had said, was apt to be misinterpreted or misunderstood. And he went out and said, uh, you know what, if that's how they feel, then they're a hate group, and you, sh- you, you white people should get the hell away from them. Now he's saying, I, I, I mean that in a hyperbolic sense, I'm trying to make a point, uh, but obviously people are going to take that, just that statement alone, and go to town. There's, there's, there's people that want to be offended. There's people that are offended. Uh, there's people that will feed that into whatever their pre-existing narrative is. You know, you got a lot of people in this world who, it's, it's like the old saying, when all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. Their operating system for going through life is a grievance one. You know, they're, they're going to fit that into their grievance. And he said you should move away from them. And he said that's what he did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So people are canceling his comic strip and severing their business ties with him. And he said he knew that would happen and that everyone should be treated as individuals. Um, but that if people are not going to treat you as an individual... If, if there's a group of people that are going to see you only as the race or group to which you belong, then maybe you should avoid them. Of course, that isn't what he said, right? That's what he's saying now, but that isn't what he said at the time. So I think part of this is the, the, the current way we exchange ideas is to say really shocking things 
so we can get attention. Then after we get the attention, we fill in and clarify. And then and only then do we often say the stuff we probably should have just said in the first place. But I come back to this. Why are we asking people a question like this? Why are we giving into what we spent so many years getting away from, preaching against, training, teaching our children? What is this suicide cult of racism that we've decided to join? And and look, I, you don't have to explain it to me. I know there's people out there that make money off this, and and there's a there's a whole industry of race grievance people. I I get that. We've always had that. But wh- why is a respectable polling outfit even asking this question? And can you really argue? If you're old enough to remember what I was describing a few minutes ago, the color blindness ideal, can you really argue that we weren't doing better with that? Everyone was doing better with that? And that what we're doing now, if you arrived here from another planet and you were observing these earthlings, I think you would conclude that there there is some concerted effort to pit people against one another. It doesn't look like we're trying to get along, even though I think most people do get along and want to get along. I know that they do. But right now it kind of looks like the name of the game is dividing us. And if that's true, and I think it is, I think any outside observer would see that immediately. Then the question is, well, who benefits from that? And that's where you have to go with your inquiry. Your, see, your enemy is not Scott Adams. Your enemy is not the person of another race. Your enemy is not the person who votes differently from you. Your enemy is the person who is making money, convincing whites to hate blacks, blacks to hate whites, Mistrust, grievance, reparations. These are people that want to not relitigate the civil rights movement. They want to pretend none of that ever happened. There's been no progress. There have been no achievements. And they say it sometimes. You hear people say, things have never been worse. And that's a ludicrous statement. That's an insane Provably false statement about race relations. It's never been worse. And and other people nod and go, yeah, yeah, it's a shame. What the hell are they talking about? What the hell are they talking about? 210-599-5555. Anyway, uh, we'll get your reaction to this. Janice is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Janice, good evening. Hi, Jack. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm 65. I grew up in San Antonio. As a teenager, I worked at a downtown hotel, and a lady I worked with was black, old enough to be my mother, and when we went out on the street, she wanted to walk behind me, and I refused to do that. 
my one grandmother said okay. My other grandmother had a hissy fit because I went to a high school with black children. Now I have three grandsons that are mixed race. They're half black. I have no problem with it. The problem starts in the heart. I'm not offended by what this gentleman said. I've decided not to be offended by people who don't think like I do and believe like I do. That's mm-hmm. our problem in the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Janice, I think we're, we're close in age. And, and I mean, we, we came from a time when people were proud to not be judging or reacting to color that was considered progress if you if you did things based on color you were kind of backwards or we were kind of embarrassed for you or you were the butt of jokes and and we've turned that around to where now that's got to be the first thing we say the first thing we see we expect people to organize themselves that way we encourage students to segregate themselves that way which it blows my mind that we would be going back to that decades after I thought that was over. Well, we did ourselves a disservice from what I could see in the 70s and 80s by um, giving things to people of color over um, white people because we were trying, thinking in the leftist mind that, oh, this is good for them. All it did was create animosity among small-minded white people. And there are people that saw that and have been able to use that to drive a wedge. And you're right, you've hit the nail on the head, Jack, by saying people make money from this. When when you say give things... Yeah, right. When you say give things, are you talking about like affirmative action stuff? Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think affirmative action, if you, if you look back on it, how, how is that not going to create ill will and bad blood and suspicion? Uh, it, it seems to me that there's no other way that could have, that, that could have gone. We can't be surprised. Uh, by that. Janice, thank you. I appreciate the call. Uh, 210-599-5555. The, the canceling or punishment or whatever of Scott Adams is something he's chosen and, and he, he, he claims he is not surprised by and was prepared for. And I'm not, I'm not shedding any tears over him because he's too smart to have not known he was going to get into this. But what it said to me was, I, I could, I could not in, in this entire story and I've listened to his comments and I've listened to things he subsequently said to try to explain them. Because there's people that want to be sympathetic to him, but are mad at him and furious with him. Or tr- I, I go back to the, the, I go back to the survey. I go back to the survey. Well, who, who's asking that question? How's that a question? And it all flows from that. It all flows from that. Um, we are, we are the, we are all, I think, the victims of instigators. We're not naturally at each other's throats. We're not naturally suspicious of one another. But there's a lot of instigating, a lot of instigating, and and money to be made from it, apparently. So yesterday, after the Supreme Court heard its oral arguments about uh, the president's student loan debt forgiveness order, which has been stayed by lower courts, there were uh, protests on the steps of the Supreme Court. 
and and just as an aside, it is idiotic to protest at a court because a court is not a body of public opinion. A court is not a representative body or a body that solicits the uh, sentiments of the public. The whole point of the Supreme Court or any court you and I might ever appear in is that it is completely and totally about the letter of the law and in the case of the Supreme Court, the Constitution. And it doesn't matter what people are saying or how loudly they say it. So it's 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 the sign of lame brains that you're protesting at the Supreme Court, particularly when you're a member of Congress and you could actually do something with legislation that you are instead demanding the justices do for you. And that's where we find Congressman Jamal Bowman of New York, who's kind of an honorary squad member. I guess if he was a woman, he could be a squad member. And he was railing that the Supreme Court needs to do its job, which he interprets it to mean, let Biden forgive the debt. Listen to this, cut number three. The president has the authority to cancel student debt, period. We are demanding that the Supreme Court just follow the law and do what's right. That's why you are there, to follow the law. As we know, we all have tremendous amounts of student debt because of the predatory practices of our capitalist economy. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, we got a lot going on there. All right, so he's demanding the Supreme Court do what he wants. That'd be a great system, right? If the Supreme Court was simply there to listen to the loudest voice or the scariest demand, that would be a great system. I, I, I know I'd, I'd like to live under that, wouldn't you? But then I also, um, I like the whole let's throw capitalism under the bus. But then in the next breath, we're talking about, he, he goes on to talk about how proud it was for him and his family that he's the first one to go to college. Here, here's the thing. If you believe we have student loan debt, and it's incredible, because the loans and the lending practices are predatory, who's the predator, Congressman? Who's preying on American families? Isn't it, in fact, government schools? Aren't they the leading uh, preachers or um, proponents of everyone should go to college? You're kind of a loser if you don't, or your life won't amount to anything if you don't, or it's the only way for It's the golden ticket. Now, we know those things aren't true, but they're the ones that say it. Push it. I mean, college night is sponsored by who? Your high school. Okay. Then let's talk about the other driver, which is that Every time the government pours more money into higher education, higher education responds by hiring more administrators, building more buildings, and hiking tuition. It's a fact. It's been going on for decades. It's why your kid's college is so exponentially higher than yours that the price difference cannot be explained by inflation or anything else. It's why when people my age say, I had, an, I had a job while I went to college and I paid my way, 
kids today hear that and they think we're talking nonsense. That that that's like babble to them because the yes, the the price is so much higher than working a few hours at a store is not going to get you through college. I get it, Congressman. You could take on either one of those things. You could take on the predation on young people and their families, or you could take on the insanity of the pricing. You guys love to talk in politics about price gouging. Everybody does it, gasoline companies, airlines. Why not this? But instead, he stands at the steps of the other branch of government from his and demands that they do something about which he could do something. And that would make me wonder just what was the quality of the education he got. And the more they yell about the Supreme Court, Congress, the more you know they are hoping you won't notice that they don't do their job. They're not doing their job. Ben Sass, who was a senator from Nebraska and is now the president of the University of Florida, said this very well during one of the confirmation hearings in the Trump administration when they were having the rioting and the craziness around the confirmation of it was either Barrett or or Kavanaugh, I forget which one. He he gave a speech where he said, look, the reason these nominations are so contentious is because we've made the Supreme Court into the place where we try to settle things that should be settled legislatively. We should have a debate. The people's elected representatives should do their job, but they're cowards and 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 lame brains, so they kick the can over to the Supreme Court. Then they complain that, well, why are decisions being made by nine wealthy people or nine Ivy League educated? Uh, because you're making them? Because you're not doing your job? That's the truth. So, for most of our history, there was never a demonstration in front of the Supreme Court. There was never a protest in front of the Supreme Court because people knew that the action, the decision-making, the accountability was at the legislative branch. And it's very interesting that we have hornswoggled so many people into showing up for protests at the Supreme Court about a lot of things. You, you're being played. If you, if you, if you believe when your side tells you go to the Supreme Court, when you believe that, you are being played. And I don't know what's worse, the, the, the people playing you or the fact that so many people can be played. I guess I just, on a more simple basis too, if nothing else, if nothing else I say matters, if there really was the power to forgive student loan debt, Trump would have done it. Obama would have done it. Bush would have. I mean, I, I don't care which party you are. That would have been too delicious, too juicy. I mean, they would have loved it. We, we haven't had a president in a long time who would have been able to resist that low-hanging fruit. So obviously that power is not just sitting there and Team Biden discovered it. That's, that's an insane theory. And that's the only thing. You, you have to believe that. If you are swallowing the rest of what they're putting out, you have to believe that they came up with a scheme no one else could think of. It's not possible.
We're live on the radio now, but also available. This show is as a full episode podcast. You can get it at KTSA.com, the on-demand menu, and just listen when you want, where you want. I'll go, I'll go anywhere you want to go. Uh, or you can find the Jack Riccardi show wherever you like to get other podcasts. They got the, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland yesterday in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee to say this. The fentanyl crisis, which is now killing more young people than cars and drugs, the fentanyl drug crisis was in, was unleashed on our border, on our country, by the Mexican drug cartels, quote, on purpose, unquote. That's what our Attorney General, the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of the United States said. And I believe he's probably right. Isn't it interesting that when our border is under attack, killing our people in the process, on purpose, according to our Attorney General, no one is asking for a response. In fact, you know what he said? He said it would be nice if Mexico would do something about it. It would be nice. Our government watched the border of another country attacked. Watched death visited upon the citizens of another country intentionally. Called that out. The country is called Ukraine. And we have sent tens of billions of dollars of weaponry, and we are proposing to do more. And our president went there and said, on that soil that is under attack, we will not rest, we will not waver, we will see this fight through to the end. That president won't come to the border. This administration won't make that commitment. And yet their own attorney general said, it's war. Right? That's what he said. They're unleashing death on Americans on purpose. I understand that there are differences between the two, and I understand that the border doesn't necessarily need F-16s. I I, I get that. But there isn't any clearer, I guess for me, there isn't any clearer outline or indicator of how our politicians put the American people last every chance they get. Every chance they get. Our politicians are all bravery when the problem is abroad. Nope, nothing is unsolvable, nothing is insurmountable, we can do anything, can do, rah, rah, we got you, I feel you. It's like a Hallmark commercial. But for Americans, whether they're on the border or in Palestine, Ohio, we'll, we'll get around to you eventually. And you wonder where Trump came from. You wonder how that happened. Well, I don't understand. 
210-599-5555. And, you know, um, we're going to talk more about the Ukraine thing tomorrow. I don't want to get into all of it now. I'm not saying that we should flip it around and ignore that and put everything on the border. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. We are a country that actually has real challenges here at home and real responsibilities in the world. I'm not an isolationist. I'm not saying that we should pull our horns in. We don't have the luxury, even if you believe in that, we don't have the luxury of doing that. But I, I, time and age have brought me to the conclusion that they like talking about the far away stuff because they can do a lot of talking and there's not a lot of accountability. And they don't like, politicians don't like problems that are hard and for which they won't get the credit. That's why we do everything in short spurts, and that's why we do everything for instant gratification. That's not because we're into instant gratification. That's because politicians are into it. They're incapable of starting something that they won't be the ones to see through. They're incapable of lending their energies or their offices to things that might not ultimately go to their credit or get them reelected. To do big things, you have to start something that you probably won't be the one to finish. You won't be the president when it gets finished. You won't be in the Congress when it gets finished. Somebody else might get to cut the ribbon. But to do big things, you have to start it and not care about that. We used to elect people, believe it or not, who did big things and and, and did or did not see them through, but, but knew you had to start somewhere. And now almost everyone we elect only is interested in what they can take immediate credit for. If I can claim it before the next election... I'm down for it. If I can't, don't bother me with it. And so Ukraine's a chance to say a lot of stuff and do a lot of posturing and posing because they're really not responsible for what happens. I mean, if after all the aid we give Ukraine, they get they get slaughtered, we're just going to say, well, you know, it was Russia, big country. Kamala Harris will draw us up some Venn diagrams, and that'll be the end of it. But the stuff that we really face here at home, that's, that's complicated and they don't want to fail. I mean, what if I, what if I'm a politician and I say, yeah, I, I get this border thing. I care. I'm on it. And then I fail. My plan doesn't work. They don't want that. How do I get reelected with that? I mean, I know people think it's bigger than that, that it's ideology and it's pandering. Those things are present too, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, from watching these people for a long time, a a really big part of what moves them or doesn't move them is when they're going to get credit or blame. That's, that's That's the biggest part of it. Both parties. Asked you on the JR poll about this idea they have in South Carolina. It's nicknamed the Yankee tax. That's not the official official name of it um obviously a lot of people are fleeing blue states with high tax high crime uh defunded police and a lot of them are going to red states like texas and florida and apparently south carolina so the legislature in south carolina is considering 
what's been nicknamed the Yankee tax. Incoming residents, when they go to register their vehicles, would pay double the price. And they're thinking about some other fees as well. And their argument is, well, we, we're getting all this influx and it's, you, you know, it's a strain and it's wear and tear on our infrastructure. So we, we need to, we need them to pay for it. And whether or not that's true or not, it does kind of sound like you're punishing or treating unequally the refugees from the, from the, uh, from the blue states. So what do you think about that was our question. And believe it or not, uh, we split 50-50 on this. 50% are good with it and 50% are not good with it. More to come tomorrow. We'll have a new JR poll question tomorrow. We'll get started at four, but you can find the poll anytime at KTSA.com. Um, every time I open this uh, cabinet over my uh, washing machine where I keep stuff, I see all these masks. Does anybody have more masks than they know what to do with? I mean, for a while there, it just seemed like a good idea to keep, you know, keep them in stock. You knew, you didn't know when this would end. And, uh, I, I have a fair amount. I, I think I'm, I think I'm set for the next pandemic. I was reading in New York City. They are looking at approximately a quarter of a billion dollars of surplus COVID gear and equipment. Quarter of a billion dollars in over-preparation. Masks, face shields, and much more. And they are now putting them up for auction for two cents on the dollar. They may let it all go for well under a million dollars, quarter of a billion dollars. Easy come. Easy go. Do you remember when people were obsessing over the building of ventilators? I wonder how many of those there are. I don't know. I guess we could look it up. I mean, how how many ventilators were built and weren't used and aren't being used? And we discovered at the beginning of the pandemic that ventilators that had been in storage for a long time couldn't be used because their gaskets or rubberized parts had dried out. They could be refurbished, but they couldn't just be pulled off a shelf after years of inactivity and and pressed into service. So on top of all the other weaponizing of COVID that we saw, I wonder if we'll ever get our arms around the waste. We wasted a lot of money. And the politicians, I mean, we, we, we all have heard about the $600 toilet seats and stuff, but I mean, they're good at wasting money, but this was different because people were begging them to waste money. It was considered a virtue when they would announce, and every day the Trump administration, then the Biden administration would announce, every day we're spending more, we've got more, here comes more. And we were, we were egging them on. Funny how that worked. Anyhow, thank you for for uh, hanging with us. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Come back live with us at 4 tomorrow right here on KTSN.